You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Jonathan Sparks, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Man, it's good to have you on the show today. Well, Brian, thank you for having me. I was introduced to you at a Heaven and Business conference in Atlanta last year. You and your wife were interviewed on the spur of the moment, and your story was off the chain. I loved it. And so I'm really grateful to have an interview with you. And the focus is going to be on how you've learned to partner with God in your life. Before we go there, I would love for you, Jonathan, to share some of your backstory, where you grew up, how you came to faith, and then some catalytic moments in your life that have really moved you deeper into partnership with the Lord. Absolutely, Brian. Well, as they say, all good stories start at the beginning. So, as a young man, I was born and raised in Texas, a small little country town, town called Merritt. Most people that live 20 miles from Merritt don't know where Merritt is. Merritt had a population of 71. We didn't even have a stop sign or a blinking light, but uh, that kind of gives you the idea, rural community. I was raised in a godly home, but as a young man, we didn't always have money, right? So, I remember one time as a child, we used to play a game and we'd go out and we'd pick up tin cans and bottles. My mom made it fun. We thought it was great so that we could buy milk, so that we could buy bread, so that we could have a Thanksgiving dinner. And I thought that was normal, right? Well, as we started getting older, you know, my parents actually switched from the denomination we're in, kind of being involved in the spirit-filled charismatic movement. They started learning about the promises God had for them to bless them and prosper them. And they really pressed into that. And my dad started some businesses and had, you know, a moderate level of success. But somehow all of that didn't quite take on me. So as I went off to college, I was blessed to be accepted on a full ride scholarship. But then I, I got involved with some of the wrong people because my faith had always been my parents' faith. It wasn't my faith. And so I got kicked out of one fine institution after another. I think it was four or five colleges that I attended, never graduated. Well, never got it. I'm sorry to yeah. <laughs> I, I'm blown away. Four or five colleges you got kicked out of? Yeah, Michigan, Florida, Alabama, a couple of them in Texas. I, I kind of toured the country and, and did a thing there for a bit of time. And I was actually, I think I was 17 hours short of a triple, but I never actually got it. I, you know, it just, education is tremendous, but, you know, I think Sometimes God's plan and purpose force is more about timing, right? I'm a disciple. I'm a learner. I love to learn. But at that point in my life, I wasn't ready to learn because I didn't know my identity. I didn't really have a personal relationship with Christ. So I started hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong things. And I was actually homeless for a period of time. I lived under my car because I'm a tall guy. I'm 6'5", and I didn't fit in the car, so I lived under the car. And I slept on park benches. I slept on the beach. I just kind of was a vagabond. Went from here to there, hanging out with the wrong people. And I said, you know, I knew there was a better way. I believed fully in God. I just wasn't I wasn't willing to yield, because I was afraid that if you serve God, it meant you had to go to the mission field in Africa, right? To really be devoted and sold out. And I knew there was a call on my life. But I wanted to make money. I engaged in that in the wrong way. I quit counting how many times I've been to jail. 
and I count how many states. And so oh, wow. five different five different states I've enjoyed their institutions of correction. And you know, I think it was one of the last times it was in Michigan, and I was sitting there in jail, and I'm like, God, you know, if you could do something significant with my life, I, I think I'm I'm done with this. And so I I guess that really was a turning point. I wanted a vision for my life. I wanted to know what God's call and purpose was for my life. And I think so often with young people, uh, we just don't identify their gifts and talents. And all the time, Karen and I now will run into organizations all over the world, CEOs, leaders of large companies. And we meet guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s who still don't know their purpose, their destiny, and their call in life. And there's actually nothing sadder, especially for a believer, to not understand the destiny, the call, the purpose that you have. In life. So I moved back to Dallas. I met my lovely wife 21 years ago. We got married. I started a construction company. She had a background in corporate healthcare. She came over and began to help me with that company. That company was blessed and it grew. We were involved in church. We did some missions. We built some churches overseas. Actually, professionally, we built 41 different churches or institutions, Bible colleges, recording studios, film studios, different things for national ministries. So we thought, hey, this is what we do. We make money, we write checks to the kingdom, and we support churches. This is what we're called to do. But somewhere down in me, I knew there was still more to it than that, right? Because we're called to be kings and priests. I was all king, and I was busy supporting the professional priest. I was a professional king. And I think Often, Brian, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but oftentimes the church traditionally has set up that role. Business people, you go out, you make some money, you do some things, you write a check. The professional priest will take that check and then they will do some ministry things. And that is a very important part of what we do as business leaders and leaders is to support the spread of the gospel in the kingdom. But somewhere along the line, the devil convinced us that we weren't qualified. We hadn't gone to seminary. We didn't have the degrees. We hadn't spent the time. We weren't qualified to actually administer ourselves, right? Yeah. We weren't the ones supposed to see the sick recover, blind eyes restored. We weren't the ones that were supposed to administer deliverance. That was for the professional priest. And so, I guess really, our journey for the last 21 years has been one of not just serving God within our business, but realizing we're actually called to ministry both in the business, which you know everybody's heard that your business is a ministry, your job is a ministry. What you do with your hands every day is worship, right? Mm -hmm. What you do for God. But there's more to it than that. That is also your mission field, right? That is also the place God has placed you specifically within the work you do or the company you have. That is your congregation. That is who you're called to. And I would say in the last few years, that's really been a tremendous shift for us. So for 15 years, we had a a good company and we made what anybody would say is a blessed life, a great revenue stream. We were able to travel. We were able to support missions and different things we liked, but it was our company, right? It was my wife and I's company. And then we got the epiphany. I, I had a spiritual mentor and he said, do you have a company or do you have a business? I said, I have a company. We're incorporated. We have lease licenses. You know, we have a board. We have blah, 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 blah. All the reasons why we're a company. And then he said, if you were to, and this was so profound, he said this. He said, if you were to go to Africa right now and God said, stay for three weeks, could you do it? And I said, well, yeah. 
He said, without telling your company, could you just go? I said, well, you know, there'd be some things. He was, how long could you stay before the wheels would come off? He said, we've traveled sometimes two, three weeks. That's probably, you know, about the length of time. He said, what about if God told you to stay three months? I said, oh, no, no, no. I couldn't stay three months. I said, the thing would fall apart, right? The company would fall apart. Mm-hmm. And he said, what about six months? I said, impossible. Absolutely impossible. And he said, then I would propose to you that you have a business. He said, when you have a company, it's a living, breathing organism. And if you leave for three weeks or three months, when you return, you have more clients, more business, more employees, and are more profitable than when you left. Talk about throwing down the gauntlet. Right? Right? I was just, Brian, I was like, I want that. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't have that. And I said, how do I get this? He said, you have a company that you may have dedicated to God, but have you given your company to God? Is it his company or is it your company you ask him to bless? I was like, ooh, because I, you know, at that point we had scripture verses on our website. I mean, everybody knew we were, quote, a Christian company. And by that, I mean, you know, our company gave, we gave personally. If anybody asked, they knew we were a Christian company. We had, you know, a company first. Everybody knew we weren't shy of our faith, but I wouldn't say our company was actually God's company. It was our company that God blessed. So we went home and we actually started praying. We said, God, we want a company from you. We, we want a company that's your company that we steward. And so through a series of a couple months, we got rid of our entire staff. I mean, we fired everybody. And or transition them. We don't like to use the word fired, but we transitioned them to somewhere they could be successful because we knew within God's organization, many of these people were not actually equipped to do what we were called to do. So for 15 years, we hadn't been able to get us above a certain threshold in business within one year of shutting it down, starting from scratch, just my wife and I again, it felt like we were stepping backwards 15 years in time. But this time, God was running the company. He was making the decisions. He was hiring. Within one year, we had already doubled what we'd ever been capable of doing. And now we are six and a half years into that, and we have grown 1,200% as an organization. This year, which will be seven years, it looks like we're on schedule, Lord willing, to double again. So that will be over 2,000% growth in seven-year period of God running our company and owning our company versus us just dedicating a company to him, two entirely different concepts. Yeah, that's 20x growth. That's what you're on track for. Let's circle back to that decision that you and your wife made to start over. Tell me what that was like in your heart and your mind when you both came into agreement on that. What happened? You know, there was an interesting exercise that we did that we now have many companies. We, we mentor in different groups and different organizations. And, you know, one of the things I'll have people do, which is what we did, is we wrote down, knowing what we know now, which of these employees would we hire again? Knowing what we're called to ultimately do, both for the kingdom and in business, which of these employees would we hire again? The answer was none of them. Now, I'm a little bit of a an eccentric, I guess you could say, leader. And actually, a friend of mine told me a joke at Christmas. He said, John, you know what the difference between eccentric and weird is? And I said, no. He goes, only the bank account. So <laughs> I, I think we were just so all in. We were so desperate to do something God's way that 
looking back, maybe I didn't have to uh, trans transition the entire organization, but it was kind of a marker to God. God, we're serious. We'll do whatever this takes. We will spend the rest of our life to accomplish the call, the purpose, the destiny, the mission that you have for us, and everything comes second to that. Our comfort, our finances, our ego. You know, it's tough when you say, hey, I'm going to start over. We were out of debt at that point. But we said, hey, we have X amount of money. Well, you know, within a few months, we'd spin it down to almost zero, right? So when I say we started with nothing, we literally had five or $600 in a bank account. And I remember thinking, we're going to run out May 28th. And I knew we needed to hear from God. So there again, one of the spiritual mentors that we had, he said, you need to go on sabbatical. What's a sabbatical? He said, you know, it's where you go away and you spend time with God. You shut off your brain. Because one thing that we've found is CEOs and leaders and business people do not have trouble hearing from God. They have trouble stop hearing and listening to all the other voices. So it's sometimes it's just shutting off everything else so that we can hear clearly from God. So we did that. We actually did what we jokingly call the cruise to nowhere. We took a little cruise and went in circles in the Gulf of Mexico for four days. <laughs> and uh, we just prayed and fasted, Lord, what do you want this company to look like? What do you want us to do? And, you know, he showed us four pillars of business. You know, at that time, we were just a general contracting firm. Well, he showed us finance. He showed us multifamily and development. He showed us an investing arm. Well, you know, that's great when he shows you all these things. But remember, we have $500 in our bank account left, right? Yeah. And so we're like, okay, Lord, this must be for the next 40 years. This is a lifetime vision to start to operate in these areas because this is your company. We're going to do it your way. We have no qualification. We have no education. We have no experience in any of these things you're asking us to do. So we know it's got to be a God thing, right? So we get off that cruise ship and we're, we're literally coming down the gangplank. We don't do phones. We don't do anything when we sabbatical. So we turn on the phone, phone rings, ring, ring, ring. Hello, you don't know me, but I have a new development project. It starts next Tuesday. The subs are lined up. It's bought out. The permits are in place. You just go and execute on it. And it, and it was a multi-million dollar project. Now, We've never done any development, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I hang up the phone. I'm like, Kara, you know, we're all excited. We walk 50 feet farther. We're not out of the shadow of the cruise ship yet. Ring, ring, ring. Phone rings. Pick it up. Hey, you don't know me, but same thing. Another pillar. We now start doing a Jesus dance. You know, people probably think we're drunk. We're getting off the cruise ship. We're very excited at this point. We had zero work, zero employees, zero contracts. And now we have two massive projects in fields we've never done, and uh, they both start within a week. So we're getting in the Uber at the end of the pier, ring, 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 a third time. Hello, you don't know me, but in this case, somebody had referred us, and then we have a project within multifamily and mixed use, and we would like you to look at it. So since that time, six and a half years ago, we've done 68 multifamily projects. We've done 30 medical and assisted living and bio lab projects. We did two of the most advanced COVID labs in the country. We've done investments in tech and hospitality and multifamily. And then we've been financing the projects. It's just, it's been unbelievable the things we did. Now, here's the best part. We weren't qualified for any of those. But when we let God start running our company, he's qualified for everything. Going back to the three phone calls within that short period of time after you exited the cruise ship in areas that you didn't have experience in, 
Was there any sense of fear? Do you recall when you got those calls? Was it fear mixed with excitement? What did you guys discuss, you and your wife, when those calls came in? Sure. So we we always love to say, your promised land is farther away than you think it is. When you get there, it looks nothing like what you thought it would look like. And guess what? God didn't tell anybody it was your promised land. So you actually got to go in and conquer it. You've got to go, you know, take it away. You got to kick the giants out. So yeah, there was tremendous apprehension. Now, I think the excitement was, okay, God, you're doing this thing. We have no idea what we're doing, but obviously we hadn't cultivated any of these projects. We didn't did any of these projects. We didn't know these people. Yeah. So God, you're bringing this now. We're just going to trust you and by your grace and mercy, hopefully we won't mess it up. Did you have to dive into some due diligence on these? I would assume the answer is yes. Oh, oh sure. Absolutely. Well, then what you start doing is when you realize you serve the creator of the universe and his resources are infinite. You realize how small our vision really has been. You know, as God starts really blessing what you're doing, you suddenly find your prayers changing from, which they had been for 15 years, Lord, please bless our company, bless this project, bless my project, bless my contract, bless the client that I've got, right? Yeah. Bless the vision that I have to, Lord, please send laborers. The harvest is great. Lord, we thank you that you didn't send this project without sending the help that we need. Lord, we thank you for mighty men. Lord, that you surround us with mighty men and women of God to help us do this task that you've asked us to do. And if you look through the Bible, when different men and women of God got tremendous revelation or vision or task they were assigned, no one, not one of them ever did it alone, right? Yeah. So Moses then had Joshua, Caleb, Jethro, right? The tribal leaders and elders. David was surrounded by his mighty men. Gideon went from what was it, over 30,000 to 3,000 to 300. But nobody is ever required to go it alone. And so, you know, as God pushes you into these bigger things, I think your focus shifts from God, can you do it to God, how are you going to get this done? And it's a tremendous amount of faith. So I think your faith shifts from, I have faith that. God can bring us work to, Lord, you're bringing us so much work. I have faith that you're going to give us the ability to execute this well, to learn what we need to learn. And, you know, I don't want to say it's it's all roses. A lot of times, you know, you hear these testimonies, people are like, oh, we're just so blessed. God's blessing us. Well, what do you think, Brian, comes with a 1,200% increase in business? A 1,200% increase in challenges. That's it. Opportunities to overcome, to adapt, things to learn, new systems and processes. And we'll always say this when we, we're working with new organizations or working with different business people is, if you show me a company that's making a million dollars a year net revenue, I'll show you a company with million dollar systems, processes, employees, and clients, and a million dollar level of vision. Likewise, you show me a company doing $50 million a year. I'll show you a company with $50 million vision, systems, processes, employees, and clients. The million-dollar company and the $50 million company look nothing alike. They may function within the same industry, but that's where the commonality ends. So every time you double, you have an entirely different team where you have trained them differently. You have different systems and processes to handle it. So soon your prayer becomes, Lord, how can I steward this efficiently? Lord, show me new ways of doing old things. Since this is your company, why would I just go and do it the way that the industry maybe typically does it? So sometimes, and you probably know this, God will have you do some things that seem strange. Well, let's talk about that. In this whole 
1,200% increase coming up on 2,000% increase. What stands out in your mind as one of the greatest challenges and breakthroughs that you experience with respect to changing a function in the business, changing a structure, changing the way things were done? I think a lot of it is a renewed mind is the fertile ground in which the Holy Spirit can plant witty inventions and creative ideas. So it starts really with renewing your mind. For Karen and I, that's the battle. You know, we find it in the Old Testament and Exodus three times a year, you and your whole household, you know, all the men shall appear before the sovereign Lord God of Israel three times a year. And I don't think we do that enough. A sabbatical is just a sum of Sabbaths. That's literally what it means. And so God thought it was important enough for three times a year. And he said, during plow time or harvest, meaning no matter what you're doing, you stop, you come, you worship at the temple, you atone for your sins, you get right, you hear from God. And people often ask, Jonathan, why three times a year? My personal untheological explanation is man is too stupid to go more than 120 days without direct revelation from God. <laughs> so, these sabbaticals have become very important. But what sabbaticals do is it allows you to go, God, what have I been too busy in the last three to four months to hear from you? What have you been trying to say to me that my spirit, I've been so busy helping you with your company. What have I been too busy in ministry or business to hear from you? So you just go and you spend time with God. You thank Him for everything He's already done. You're really just hanging out and having a blast with God. And amazingly, in the rest comes refreshing, and in the refreshing comes revelation. So we often go, we'll fast and pray kind of the first two, three days, read some books, listen to some teachings, learn some practical things. And God sometimes will give you very specific things, but we find it's in walking on the beach or hiking in the mountains or fishing. It's in the rest that comes, because we usually go for a week, it's in the rest that comes afterwards that you get profound revelation on that opportunity you had or that challenge you're having with that employee or the challenge that you have with a new client. It'll just come and suddenly, but it comes suddenly while you're resting and just hanging out with God, enjoying His creation, enjoying your family. And to me, that was hard. I grew up in a family that worked 70, 80 hours a week. Right. And we see this so often with both people in ministry and business. They wear this badge of honor on their chest. Look at me. I worked 70, 80 hours a week. You know, but there again, it's look at me. I did this with my own hand. So, one of the sabbaticals, I actually went to meet a family member, very successful, multi billion dollar company. And he came in for lunch, was late to lunch, had to leave early. And he said to me as he left, Jonathan, I got to get back to the salt mines because if I don't, the wheels are going to come off this whole thing. And this is on a Sunday. Wow. And this man is in his 70s. He has 1,600 employees, multiple states, multiple countries, multi-billion dollar year organization. And he has to get back or the wheels will come off the whole thing. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Jonathan, if you build this company with the sweat of your brow and by the work of your hand, that's how you will sustain. But if you let me build this company, then I will sustain it. Is that not the antithesis of how we love to operate in America? Yeah. We've actually made a God out of our work. That in America, if you work hard enough, you can achieve anything. Now, there is some truth to that. You know, a diligent hand, Proverbs tells us, a diligent hand is rewarded. So I'm not saying being diligent, but there's a difference between working hard and working for the kingdom. So I would put it this way. I once had a, a coach, and we're very big into coaches and mentors now. I think everybody should have somebody that is coaching and mentoring you. I think everybody should have somebody on the same level where you're doing life with them, iron sharpens iron. And then I think everybody should also have somebody a notch or a level below you that you're coaching and mentoring. You have to be sewing out 
so that you can receive in. And then you also have to have iron sharpens iron. So there's three levels that I think in America, we don't do a good job with that. Some people want to mentor, but they're not mentoring anybody. People will come to me, how do I find a mentor? Or will you mentor me? I'll be like, who are you mentoring? Well, no one. Okay, well, you don't have a seed in the ground. You don't have any seed for that harvest that you want. If you want wisdom, start sowing wisdom. I remember right before I got my mentor the first time, I'd been praying for a year in Florida, I want a mentor. Lord, I need a mentor. Lord, I don't know how to grow this company. There's these practical steps. You know, I don't have an MBA in business. Lord, I'm not qualified. I know if somebody could come alongside me, they could get me in one or two years where it'd take me five or 10 on my own. But Lord, I need that kind of godly wisdom. And I kept praying for a mentor. And then I remember one time I looked at my schedule and we have a lot of dinners and lunches with different people from the church. I had 28 phone calls or meetings in 30 days, 28 calls with people starting ministries, guys starting businesses, guys with business questions, you know, people with family issues. And I said, Lord, I remember after like two weeks, one guy called me, Jonathan, that lunch we had, you know, you prayed with me, the Holy Spirit showed up. You know, the wisdom, the prophetic word you gave was amazing. I just made $5 million. And I'm going, Lord, how's oh, this guy? Because this was when we were first restarting our company right after we got back from the cruise. I'm like, Lord, we have no money. But yet, the wisdom you're giving us is everybody else is making money. And I, I kind of was sulking, like, God, when is it my turn? <laughs> and the Lord said, you think you need money, but you don't. You need wisdom. So I have you sowing wisdom. And I looked at my calendar and I saw 28 opportunities in one month. Guess what happened the next month? I got a mentor. And then it, the rest is, you know, I don't want to say the rest is history, but then became a kind of uh, meteoric rise in production and revenue within our firm because now I have gentlemen who I rely on, the Holy Spirit, and some godly men filled with wisdom of the Holy Spirit to advise me. I have a group of men that I do life with that we kind of lean on each other. And then I have just dozens and dozens and dozens of young men and young companies and ministries that we regularly counsel and encourage and try to mentor them and bring them along. Would you say with respect to the way you're now using your time, is most of your time spent working with these mentees? You know, I would say in a typical day, I, I was looking at this recently, I had spent like five hours and 35 minutes on the phone that day. And I looked and only one call was business. So <laughs> five hours of the five hours and 30 minutes was encouraging other people. It was ministry related stuff, which God has just exploded in the last two years. And Karen and I last year got the opportunity to start going overseas and ministering and doing both business and ministry overseas. And we kind of always pushed away from that back to the concept of we weren't professional priests, we're kings. Let's write a check and send somebody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. But last year, we were in 18 countries on five continents. Wow. Right. And so if we go back in time, six, six and a half years to what my mentor said was, Jonathan, could you go to Africa for three weeks? No. Could you go for three months? Oh, definitely no. And if you came back, would your company be more successful? Last year, we actually were traveled 120 nights. One out of three nights, we were not in our own bed. We were traveling abroad. 90% of that travel abroad, maybe 95, was ministry-related. So it was doing conferences, just talking to different individuals and organizations, helping plant churches and Bible colleges and just different stuff we're blessed to be able to do now in our company group. It was the most prosperous year we ever had. So I think, personally, God's just been waiting for us to get out of the way. Because apparently we can we can spend 30% of the time seek ye first. 
and he still blessed and grew his company, <laughs> right? So I think we overestimate our value sometimes to the organizations we serve in. You know, if you really understand that it's God's, and I'm not saying you take your hand off the till because we're responsible to steward, but what I am saying is, I think, uh, especially in Western society, we've maybe overvalued our importance in an eternal timeline to what God is doing in the earth. He just needs our obedience. We've been riffing this whole episode on doing partnership, and you've basically been sharing your life story about partnering with God. What have you found to be the most powerful advice you tend to give people about entering into partnership with God? What does that tend to look like on a daily basis? Asking him at the small level, because oftentimes, and, and you've probably heard this, Brian, I don't really hear from God, or I don't hear from God like other people did. And six years ago, I would have said that. I would have been like, you know, I know right and wrong. You know, I would pray into something and pray into something. You you would feel to go this way or that way. But I didn't get these downloads from the Holy Spirit. You know, build it 300 cubits by 75 cubits and build it out of gopher bark. I didn't get these detailed plans from God that some people were getting. But I had never practiced in listening to the little things. So the Holy Spirit just challenged me, put everything before me. So this is what I tell people to do. You're getting ready to go to that meeting. Yeah. Ask God which way he wants you to go. Well, what do you mean? I'm going to go, you know, down the toll road, over the turnpike, exit here. Are you? Is that the way he wants you to go? And people may say, well, that's absurd, but it's not. When you start asking God, how do I go to work? Which meeting do I schedule first this week? Lord, I have three phone calls I need to make. Who do I call first? And what do I say? Like in your own mind, so often you're like, you know, we know the natural answer. But if you want supernatural results, you can't give the natural response. So just this morning, I had a couple phone calls to make. And I said, Lord, do I call this person or this person first? He said, call this person. And I say, and in my mind, they owed a substantial sum, seven-figure sum to our organization. I was going to basically do a friendly reminder about XYZ, basically U.S. money pay up. God said, no, I want you to talk to them about this and this. Okay. So I call them and they, you can tell they're real nervous. And I just started talking about family and travel and other things and just said, okay, well, if there's anything we can do to help you, hey, hey. I'm going to wire you some money right now. Now, this organization was in trouble. So they're sending $400,000. We didn't expect that this week. We were not expecting this money for another two to three months. So in calling and having relationship like the Holy Spirit wanted me to have with these atheists, this particular organization, which is atheist, they were compelled by the Holy Spirit to make a payment when I know they have very limited funds. But you know, in developing the important thing and walking in love, God actually got us some of the finances that we can use to invest and, and do other things that we weren't counting on for another 60 to 90 days. So it's, it's listening to the Holy Spirit and the little things bring supernatural results, but it's practicing. It's practicing. It's it's just every single day saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I've been running this company for 20 years. I know that we do X, Y, Z, but what about if he wants you to do A, B, C today? And A, B, C and A, B, C leads to 100% growth, right? Yeah tenfold this year because we've never asked because in the natural maybe xyz is the way to do it but maybe in the supernatural the holy spirit knows if we do abc there's a blessing behind that even though it doesn't make sense in the space where it doesn't make sense is where faith takes over yeah yeah you know i think back to the king and priest thing we've been running from quote being operating in the priestly realm for 19 years and when i finally said okay lord we'll go last year you know, send us, Lord, we'll go. Not only did our business 
tend to be blessed, but I would encourage all business people, ask God, what is the vision for my ministry? And sometimes we we kind of take the easy way out and go, well, my business is my ministry. I let my love of Jesus shine. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a specific plan, group of people you're called to in a specific location with a specific message from the Father. And, you know, business people are some of the most anointed people on the planet. And I always like to say they're sitting on the sidelines. It's the big game. We're losing more souls are going to hell than going to heaven. When we go to the game, we see all the priests are on the field playing ball, the evangelists, the pastors, the prophets. Then you look in the stands, and who's in the stands? The business leaders. They've all paid the price for the ticket. They just want to pay for the ticket and watch the game. They don't realize they're the most valuable players, and we don't win unless they actually get in the game. And so I always challenge business people Get in the game. God needs you. This is why we're behind. The people you have access to, your pastor does not have. The people that you have access to on a daily basis, the prophets and the evangelists that you love to support do not have access to. So you become a priest for God in that moment when you say, Lord, send me, I'll go. And I think if every day we say that, I think most people are shocked within a few months what God's able to do through them and their organization for the kingdom. Well, how can people find out more about you, Jonathan? You have to remember, we've only been encouraging and traveling and sharing stories and partnering with other ministries for a little over a year. So God's done a lot in a year. But we do have a website, lifetreeglobal.org, but it's just a placeholder. Hopefully in the next month or so, that'll be fully up. Just talking about different people we partner and come alongside of. But, you know, I would just encourage people to find a business group. Listen to podcasts like this one, right? Continue to sharpen yourself daily. Like, Remember to renew that mind, because in that renewed mind, you make room for the Holy Spirit to plant new ideas. And so I would just encourage people also to find a business group locally. Find somebody that you can mentor. And also make sure you're praying to God for the right mentors and spiritual fathers around you, because that's really the only way we make any progress. My mentor told me six years ago, Jonathan, you will be the same person in five years except for the new information and revelation you receive. And information comes from books, mentors, other people. Revelation comes from the Holy Spirit and the people that you meet. Kira and I, for the last six years, have spent a great amount of effort in making sure we hang out with godly, like-minded people, making sure we're reading books and absorbing the right information, and making sure we position ourselves to get the correct revelation from the Holy Spirit. Right on. Well, Jonathan, I loved hearing your story. And would love to finish up here by having you pray for our listeners, please. Oh, absolutely. Lord, we just thank you for this this opportunity to get to share the amazing things that you are doing. Lord, I just pray that everyone who listened to this Holy Spirit right now, you are waking up inside of them a new dream, a larger vision, a vision and a dream that is so large and so scary that they know it can only come from you because without you, it would be impossible. So, Lord, we just repeat for thinking too small, for limiting the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth. Lord, rip off our lid of understanding on what our all purpose and destiny is. Lord, we thank you that you pour in your fresh revelation, your fresh vision into our spirit. Lord, we will be faithful. Lord, send us. We will go. Lord, show us who we're called to and what we're to say. Lord, I pray that you bless every business, every ministry, every organization. Lord, I thank you that as they seek you first, all these other things will be added to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. 
Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.